everybody. Peace be still. This is Tosha, and you're listening to the Supernova Tosha Show podcast, the show that addresses social issues and how it affects our community. Today, we are going to be discussing schemes, scams, and flim flams. Uh, so I just want to say I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did take the time off because um, I had a lot of cooking to do, had some people over, and had a really, really good time. And I hope you all were blessed with lots of food, friends, family, and lots to, you know, eat and drink. And, um, you know, right around the holiday time is the best time to just uh, bear in mind those who are uh, grieving, who have uh, lost loved ones, um, those who are, you know, not well in their body. Um, if there's anything you could do, you know, Fix them a turkey sandwich or, you know, make them a ham or even invite them over. I invited uh, some folks over, um, you know, that I didn't want them to spend the holidays by themselves. And I really, really had a great time. So I'm hoping to keep this holiday cheer going with Christmas. Christmas is my favorite, 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 favorite holiday. So I might even move my settings here from the office and just out in the living room because it's so festive and so cheerful. And this puts me in the best mood for the year. So welcome back, everybody. Happy to see you. So today we are going to be discussing some schemes and frauds. And so Fraud schemes and illicit operations have been, um, like if you've ever experienced instances where you receive a phone call informing you that your computer has been compromised or that you have been approved for a loan without even applying for one. I get those emails all the time saying that, you know, all I need to do is call this number, click on this, do that, and, um, you know, that I can... Uh, collect my uh, my loan of five thousand, ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, hmm, I never applied for this loan, so that's a hard no for me. Anyways, um, so I know of this uh, elderly lady, and uh, you know she basically was scammed like that. Um, if you've ever received a phone call from social someone saying that they're from the social security office, and um, you know that they're going to confiscate your monies and it's an FBI, FBI investigation ongoing because there's been some fraud detected and, um, you know, they're going to go ahead and uh, have the FBI. But if you wire them some money, this, that, and the other. I do know of a lady who was actually um, almost robbed of her life savings. It was the second time she went to her bank. She's an elderly lady. The bank teller noticed she was taking out, um, you know, huge sums of money and alerted the police. And then when the police got involved, realized that she was being scammed. So just be careful out there. Uh, so you'll get calls saying that, you know, someone's calling from Social Security office. Be very careful. Um, you know, she even took precautions where she called back the number to verify it's them. And sure enough, they had someone standing by. It's, you know, these people operate um, at such high levels where most of us spend eight hours at our regular jobs. They are spending, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 hours a day just scamming and learning how to uh, perfect their devious ways. Um, it is uncomfortable that there are numerous individuals that are engaging in fraudulent activities, targeting innocent people, and attempting to deceive them for financial gain. Um, parent schemes and multi-level marketing companies 
uh, you know, MLMs have uh, distinct differences. MLMs are legitimate businesses that aim to sell products to consumers. They offer benefits uh, to existing members for recruiting new members who can then generate income for the recruiters. While there may be an entrance fee or startup cost for new members, the primary focus is on product sales. In contrast, pyramid schemes. Now, pyramid schemes, they primarily, they primarily generate income from reoccurring new members who pay an entrance fee or startup cost for new members. The primary focus is on product sales. Now, in contrast, uh, pyramid schemes primarily generate income for recurring new members who pay an entrance fee or startup cost. The emphasis is on recruitment rather than product sales. Pyramid schemes are illegal because they lack a genuine product-based business model. While some argue that all M&M, all MLMs, not M&Ms, but all MLMs resemble pyramid schemes due to their structure and distributor purchasing patterns, the FTC has determined that MLMs can operate legally as long as they prioritize product sales. So, uh, what sets the Ponzi schemes apart from pyramid schemes? I've always heard this Ponzi scheme, so I decided to uh, dive a little deeper to see what it is. Now, while both schemes involve new members paying existing members, there are notable distinctions. In a Ponzi scheme, there's no product being sold. Instead, it operates as an investment account where earlier investors receive returns from new investors' contributions. Um, unlike pyramid schemes, there is no direct commission for reoccurring new members in a Ponzi scheme. Instead, members are enticed by the promise of significant returns on their initial investments. Um, consequently, a Ponzi scheme is centralized, whereas pyramid schemes involve a continuous flow of money upwards. To identify pyramid schemes and avoid falling victim to them, it is crucial to recognize certain key attributes. For example, if you are required to purchase inventory or um, if the benefits you receive are primarily based on recruiting new members or distributors rather than selling actual products, it is likely that is a pyramid scheme. Now, the term Ponzi scheme was coined after a swindler named Charles Ponzi in the 1920s. Um, Charles Ponzi, uh, he's an Italian businessman. Um, this is a fraudulent investment scheme that deceives investors by falsely claiming that profits are generated from legitimate business activities when in reality, these activities either do not exist or are greatly exaggerated. The scheme relies on new investments to generate the illusions of a sustainable business and uses these funds to pay off early investors. As long as the new funds are continuously contributed and investors do not demand full repayment or lose faith in the non-existent assets, they're supposed to own the scheme. Um, the scheme can appear to be successful. Um, the concept of a Ponzi scheme dates back to the late 19th century with notable examples carried out by Adele uh, Spitzelder, 
in Germany and Sarah Sarah Howie, R H O W E Ho Howie <laughs> in the United States. Now Charles Ponce himself gained notoriety in the 1920s for orchestrating a large-scale Ponzi scheme based on international um, reply coupons for postage stamps. Now, his scheme received significant media coverage, both nationally and internationally, leading to the naming of this type of fraudulent scheme after him. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're so infamous that you have your own scheme named after you. It's terrible. Well, one of the biggest Ponzi scheme was performed by um, the fraudiest fraudster named Bernard Lawrence Madoff. Um, some of us know here of him as good old Bernie Madoff or Bernie. Uh, Bernard, Bernard specifically targeted affluential American Jewish communities. Um, so he was leveraging his insider status within the group to solicit investments from Jewish individuals and institutions. This form of affinity fraud resulted in significant financial loss for various Jewish charitable organizations, including Hadash, uh, the Women's Zionist Organization of America, um, and the Ellie Weissel Foundation, and also uh, Steven Spielberg uh, Wonder Wonderkinder Foundation. Um, Jewish federations and hospitals also suffered substantial monumental damages, leading to the closure of certain organizations. Um, Bernard, right, Bernie Madoff, his schemes had a worth of an estimated $65 billion, $65 billion. So in the 1960s, Bernard founded a penny stock um, brokerage in 1960 that grew into the Bernard L. Madoff Investment Securities. On December 10th of 2008, the sons of Bernard Madoff, Mark and Andrew, reported to authorities that their father confessed to them about the asset managing unit of his firm being a significant Ponzi scheme. So according to their accounts, uh, Madoff referred to it as one big lie. Uh, so uh, the subsequent the subsequent day, um, agents from the Federal Bureau of Investigation apprehended Madoff and charged him with securities fraud. <clears throat> Excuse me. On March 12, 2009, Madoff pleaded guilty to 11 federal felonies, 11, acknowledging his role in transforming his wealth management business into a massive Ponzi scheme. It is literally, like, literally his own kids. His kids just, like, threw him in. I don't know. Did Dr. Spock ever write a parenting book for when your kids just rat on you? I, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, so about $14 billion was recovered and returned, um, you know, to uh, some of the some to some of the people that the money was stolen from and some of the organizations. So only $14 million, that's not a lot. Um, so the search continues for additional funds. Uh, June 29, 2009, Bernard was sentenced to 150 years in prison, as he should. On April 14, 2020, 2021, he died at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina, from chronic 
kidney disease. He figured all that money, he would have taken care of his organs, taken care of his body, but <clears throat> karma when the universe, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, I saw this video, um, you know, about what happens to, um, uh, you know, what happened to some of uh, Bernie's, uh, Bernard's family, Bernard. And uh, not that I'm being empathetic to his family, because my heart goes out to the families that um, were, that are and were victims of um, the Bernie Madoff um, schemes, because, you know, you never know what people have to do to um, build generational wealth and bring their families out of the gutter. Um, some people really uh been through some some things you know unimaginable things that we wouldn't know of some you know poverty that we wouldn't even know of and really rose to the top and then to have your money and have someone um with ill intentions uh, just take it all away from you um it's disheartening so of course that's where my heart goes to but then when i watched this video and i saw you know he didn't just destroy himself but he destroyed like his entire family and generations after so <clears throat> i want you to look at this video with me um this is uh his daughter-in-law and um, just, you know, just to see how his actions affected his family. Take a look at this video. Bernie Madoff is the face of financial wrongdoing on an epic scale. His family destroyed by his lies. One son became convinced he could never recover. In her new book, The End of Normal, that son's wife, Stephanie, asks the questions we all want answered. Why would a father lay waste to his entire family? And what would make a son feel he had no choice but to pay for the sins of his father? Everything was perfect on October 23rd, 2004. The designer gown, the well-heeled guests. Even the Harlem Boys Choir flown into the exclusive island of Nantucket to serenade the bride. Because what you're seeing here isn't just any wedding. It's the wedding of Stephanie and Mark Madoff. I was so happy that day. I was just so happy to be Mark's wife. Stephanie was 30 and finally convinced she'd found her soulmate in Mark. He was 40, a divorced father of two, handsome and rich. He was more than a millionaire. He was the son of the legendary Bernard Madoff, the mighty money man of Wall Street. But to Stephanie on that night, Bernie was just her unassuming father-in-law. I was <laughs> dancing the whole night. And I remember at one point I looked off and saw him to the side and I just sort of pulled him on the dance floor and was dancing with him. I think I shocked him by pulling him out on the dance floor like that. He was doing the white guy shuffle. Right, exactly. Probably biting his lip exactly. if you look closely. Yes. But what Stephanie didn't realize was that she was dancing with the devil. He stood there at my wedding watching everyone dance, and he knew that everyone in that room was going to get screwed. It is the same Bernie Madoff that you saw splashed all over the media as the most hated man in America, the mastermind behind the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. One of the most difficult things for me is to figure that out, like how one person could be such a sweet guy and then be such a monster at the same time.
All three Madoff men worked together here in Midtown Manhattan. Bernie ran his hedge fund business on the 17th floor. Mark and his younger brother Andy were two floors up running a separate stock trading business they'd started. But for all the financial success, Stephanie fell in love with Mark's decidedly un-Wall Street ways. Did he talk money? Never. Was he showy? Never. Not showy at all. He was just a genuinely nice, sweet, sensitive, handsome man. And he was, see, now I'm going to cry. Okay. <laughs> it was that sensitivity that attracted Stephanie then a 27-year-old college grad from New York who was working for a fashion designer. And it was time to meet Mr. Wright. Friends are getting married, friends are coupling up and moving off. Yes. What is mom saying? Mom is saying, take any date you can get, Stephanie. <laughs> One blind date led to romance and then marriage. You may kiss the bride. <laughs> Stephanie was now a part of the Madoff family and found an instant closeness with Bernie. He was quiet, but there was something very sweet about his quietness. I, I didn't find it to be odd. But what was odd was that this famed master of finance who had fought his way out of poverty with his smarts seemed uninterested in anything serious. What seemed to interest him? I never saw Bernie read a book. I never saw Bernie read a newspaper. He didn't really have meaningful intellectual conversations ever on the other hand ruth his sweetheart since childhood always had plenty to say ruth was hilarious she instantly made me feel comfortable now he may have been the big name but she was the big personality mm -hmm. ruth right yeah cracking jokes all the time at bernie's expense at bernie's expense yep mm -hmm. the madoff family was clearly enjoying the good life traveling on private jets, a villa in the south of France, a home in Palm Beach, Florida, where Bernie kept Bull, a 55-foot vintage yacht. While Stephanie and Mark lived downtown, his parents lived here, a $9 million Park Avenue penthouse with a wraparound terrace, or here in Montauk, in their beachfront mansion. They could buy whatever they wanted, something Bernie showed off to Stephanie one day in a fancy store. He came in and said, anything she touches, she gets. And I said, Bernie, you're crazy. Yes, things were very important to Bernie Madoff. And Stephanie says he was compulsive about organizing his collections, like his 17 Rolex watches or his 100 pairs of Belgian loafers. Bernie was a total neat freak. Everything had to be perfect. All of his clothes were perfect shirts, color-coordinated, perfect shoes lined up. Everything had to be totally clean. And when it wasn't, an ugly side of Bernie came out. I was really turned off by the way they treated their housekeeper. It's all they talked about was how poorly she cleaned the house. I think they would even mock her Spanish accent. What they do is bad. There was something more troubling about Bernie, his obsessive secrecy about his private fund and how he managed such remarkable returns for his clients. Mark and I loved it was, Stephanie says in her book, a source of tension between father and son. Every single fight was about the same thing. He said to me, Stephanie, I don't have any clue what my father does. And I just want to know what happens if he dies, what I'm supposed to do. 
and Bernie would always say the same thing. You do your job and I'll do mine. Then came the fall of 2008. The stock market crashes and it seems so does Bernie. Mark fears his father is ill. He said, Stephanie, he just sits in his office all day staring at the ceiling. And I walked into the office and there was Bernie in his office staring at the ceiling like this. And he just stared at the ceiling the entire time. Then something even more strange. Stephanie decides to tell Papa Bernie and Granny Ruth that she and Mark are pregnant again. They loved their grandchildren, loved them. With their first child, Audrey, there was champagne and celebration, but not this time. Ruth shouted, hey, Bernie, Stephanie's pregnant. Bet you never saw that one coming, huh? You thought there was something off in them. Why wouldn't they be over the moon to have another grandchild? But looking then, back, what do you think? I think Bernie knew I've, I'm going to ruin another life. That life and so many others around the world were about to be shattered. And Stephanie and Mark would be caught in the eye of the storm. Wow. Bernard, Bernard, when you set your securities exam, did you not see that everything that you did was something that you weren't supposed to do? I've sat that exam, but it was just like, we had like a cram session. It was like a real study study. They were like trying out this new, um, a new way of studying. So we had like this really weird way to do it and they just like kind of threw us in to see because you have to have like either 70 or 75 to pass and get your securities exam and um just kind of threw us all in and i actually got the highest score it was funny i got a 50 but um it was just it was just like a practice run thing i think you know it was it was it was cool i might go back and uh take it for real for real like really sit and take it serious and study but um everything that he did is on the securities exam of not what to do so i'm not sure what was going through his mind i guess you know money makes you do strange things now what you did not see in the video is that um andrew madoff uh he passed away from lymphoma and um mark madoff um the 46 year old um they found him in his Manhattan loft apartment. Um, he unalived himself. So, um, yeah. I mean, you ruined so many people's lives, including your own family. Anyway, so we're uh, going to go global with our schemes and frauds to talk about uh, Simon Lviv, or uh, his other name is Andre Atosia, an Israeli individual uh, who's been convicted of theft, for, for, forgery, and fraud. According to the Times of Israel, between 2017 and 2019, Lviv orchestrated a Ponzi scheme across Europe, defrauding victims of approximately 10 million million dollars. Now Netflix has um has released a documentary titled The Tinder Swindler. Um not a big watcher of TV, but I love documentaries and I definitely think I'm going to um 
snuggle up on the couch and watch the uh, Tinder swindler. This looks really um, interesting. So it sheds light on his criminal activities. He was born in Israel and at the age of 15, he moved, he uh, migrated to the United States, um, to Brooklyn, New York specifically with friends of his family. Um, and um, they had, you know, at some point accused him of um, misusing their credit card. Um, his birth name is actually uh, Shimon Yehuda Hayat. Uh, and then he changed his name to Shimon Leviv in order to pretend that he is related to an Israeli businessman known as the King of Diamonds. We have a strip club, gentleman's club in Miami, <laughs> KOD, King of Diamonds. Not the same. I guess this guy's a, a jeweler. Um, anyway, so traveling across Europe, he adopted various personas and exploited multiple women in Germany under the alias Michael Bilton. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he posed as a Russian-Israeli diamond tycoon, Liv, Liv, Lviv, <laughs> using the... Um, the dating app Tinder to deceive women into lending him money that he never repaid. Uh, he would impress these women with extravagant gifts and uh, take them on luxury outings. And he funded he funded it uh, by money that he borrowed from previous victims that he had conned. Um, so he would then manipulate his victims by claiming to be targeted by his enemies, fabricating stories of his bodyguards being attacked and requesting financial assistance. And so many victims would take out bank loans and credit cards to help him out. In essence, he operated a Ponzi scheme using the funds obtained through deception to lure his victims. Um, so in order to create the illusion of repayment, he would send forged documents showing fake bank transfers. I don't even know how you do that, but hey, I guess this is full-time job. You know, he made it look authentic. Um, so this is something that, you know, you just can't even make up. Like life is life life sometimes um so um i definitely will watch this on on netflix i actually um you know i was asked to join a, i think it was like a mlm or something like that um and so that's what got me interested because I've, I've always heard you know mlm and ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes and this that so i was like you know what let me just look it up and see what's the difference and you know what what am I getting myself involved in and is it worth it? And you, you guys know about like Avon and um, uh, what's the one with the pink Cadillac? Um, Mary Kay, Mary Kay. Um, and um, so those are, you know, kind of like within the same thing, but those are legal. Um, you do have to recruit people and, you know, build up and, you know, you do make money, but it, it is a hustle. So um, when I looked it up, all of these stories just started um, to pop up and then it was like a huge ball of yarn. And then like, you know, as you're unraveling it, it's more stories and more stories of frauds and schemes and, you know, all types of uh, things. It's very interesting. You guys, 
Um, reading is fundamental. Like it's <laughs> when you just like just research on a certain topic and then you start delving into it. Um, I had a professor once told me she called it getting peeling the onion. Peeling so when you peel the onion and really get into it and you um, get to uh, learn so so many things. So you know we can't be too careful these days. You know uh, all I can say to you is uh, just be careful. Uh, monitor your mailbox. Ensure that your mail isn't stolen by you know ID thieves. Um, you know check your credit report. Um, you also want to uh, filter your phone calls. Um, a lot of these spam phone calls and unknown or from different countries and stuff. I'm getting stuff from like. Bolivia, Peru. I don't know anyone there. And as soon as they come in, I just block them. And, uh, you know, you just use your call blocking apps. There's lots of call blocking apps out there, or you can just, you know, block the number. Manage your emails. Don't open anything unwanted or any suspicious emails because there's um, phishing that goes around. Um, so be careful of uh, people who you meet, people who you meet online, um, even people you meet face to face, <laughs> they'll scam you too. So, you know, always go with your gut instinct. We all have that gut instinct. Um, when you see red flags, follow up on them and, uh, you know, trust your gut, trust your instincts. We're all born with this um, inner um, sense that, that tells us and warns, of us, warns us of danger. Anywho, to my loyal family, the Supernova Tosha Show podcast can be heard on these apps such as Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. If you have a newer device, guess what? You can pick it up on Google Podcasts. Now, the goal here for me, for us, because we're a team, is to be on the 10 best podcasts to listen to list. So please, like, share, subscribe, um, you know, watch it with a group of people, have some conversation, come up with some solutions and spread the word on my YouTube channel. Talk about it, be about it, do something about it. All right. I am so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being so attentive. I appreciate your presence. Be careful, be safe. And as they say in the islands in Jamaica, man, no, we don't talk like that. Sorry. <laughs> Walk good. Peace and be still.